Tonight we are continuing the series that we've been in called Beyond, and throughout this series, what we're going to be talking about is the importance of us as believers, as Christians, to know that our lives are really meant for more than just our own conveniences, our own blessings, our own accumulation over the years of our life. There's so much more that God wants to reveal and give to us when we realize and when we accept the fact that God has called our lives to be beyond just ourselves. And tonight we're going to be talking about a specific topic that I take to heart uh, very much, and that's the idea that we are called to live beyond our generation so that we can reach the next generation. Everyone say next generation. If you have been coming to ProSide at least for like a month, you know by now that we value the next generation and we know as a church we are committed to seeing high schoolers, middle schoolers, those that are still in their toddler years grow up and know who Jesus is across the course of their life. And I oversee our college and young adults ministry. Many of them are going to be here at the 745 service. And it's just an absolute blessing to know that we are part of a church from the senior leadership down that values young people. And I've been greatly impacted by that. Before we dive into the word uh, this evening, I want to share a little bit of my story because I was one of the next generation youth that was reached because of what this church values. And um, I came when I was a freshman at Pearl City High School. Anyone went to Pearl City High School here? Yes, three people and half of them are excited. Okay, right on. Well, I went to Pearl City High School, and I want to give a little backdrop of my story before I came into this relationship with God. A lot of people look at my life, and they're like, man, like, so passionate for God, like, just has been serving Him for now 18 years of my life, but it didn't always start that way. You know, I have a brighter outlook on life. I have a hopeful outlook on life, and that is because of the deposit of the gospel into my soul that has come out in my life over the last 18 years, but it didn't always start that way. And my life really started with a lot of brokenness, a lot of sadness, a lot of fear, a lot of worries. And it all started when my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer. I have a photo of my grandfather. It'll be up on screen. And this was actually one of the last photos that I ever had with him. This was in December, obviously, Christmas time. So this is probably about 20 years ago when this photo was taken. And I remember when, you know, you're young and you now have to face the fact that the reality of life is that the reality of life is hard. And the reality of life means there's sadness throughout the different days of it, different seasons of it. And one of the saddest moments that I ever experienced was my grandfather's uh, cancer diagnosis and him having to endure. I was really close with my grandfather. He was someone that I looked up to so much. I say to, the, to everyone that he made the best sign in, even though it was the same cup of noodle that anyone could do, but he made it for me growing up with a lot of love. So that was a little bit extra that he added uh, to something that we've all had throughout our life that made him special to me and made, you know, just his presence and his life in my life very important. And my grandfather was just, just an amazing person. And my eighth grade year of uh, intermediate, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. They realized that it had spread. It was stage four at this time. And I didn't really know how to, you know, you don't really know how to process that. I didn't really understand what that meant. Didn't really understand what the treatments would do. Didn't really know what the consequences or the outcomes of this diagnosis would look like to his health, to his emotions, to our relationship, to our family. And I remember when he passed away my freshman year in high school, it absolutely rocked me to the point where it was the beginning of me battling with my anxiety, with my frustrations, with my fear, with my worries. There was just this hopelessness that I lived with every single day after my grandfather passed because that moment was just so traumatic to me. And I was like, if this is the accumulation of my life, if this is the outcome of what death is going to look like or our world is going to be for me, I don't know how I want to, I don't know what I want to do. 
I don't know how I want to see and process that because that was so much to take in as an eighth grader. And again, like that was one of my darkest years. My freshman year in high school was a really dark season because now you're entering this phase of your life where you're supposed to be able to find yourself and find your passions, start to live out your dreams. And there was this dark cloud that was following me every single day because of what I experienced when my grandfather had passed. And there's this photo that um, we're going to show in a little bit. It's kind of funny because you realize that I was having cereal in the morning and I got a whole bunch of milk like all over my mouth. It's still something that I do. I'm a very messy eater. But this photo also kind of haunts me because I look at it to this day and I'm like, it reminds me of where I was back then and during that season of my life. So we can throw up that photo. So that's my mom, my auntie, my sister. This is, again, about 20 years ago. And then that's me in the middle. I probably weighed 130 pounds. That was a SoCal or top-out shirt, long-sleeve shirt, all of that. So again, kind of funny. Got all of the food around my face. But if you look at my eyes, you can see just the life that was sucked out of me during that season of my life. Like You can visibly see it. And again, like I look at that like, what kind of a smile is that? You know, like, I know this is kind of a heavy moment, but I look at that and I'm like, that was just me going through the motions. That was just me existing. That was me just being a youth that had no hope or no purpose or no destiny or no expectation of my life because of the things that I had witnessed or I'm going through because of the depression, because of the anxiety, because of the worry. That's where I was when I was a freshman in high school. And I feared that the trajectory of my life from 15 throughout the years that I would live on earth would be just that. Like, there wasn't a lot of hope. But again, this church in 1994 was planted, and from the very beginning, the next generation was part of the beginnings of this church. And I had a friend uh, back in my freshman year in high school who started attending our youth services um, at Momilani Elementary. This was Friday night at, at Grace Bible Church Proside, back when we had more syllables in our name. You know, like that's when it all began, when someone invited me, and I got to witness and encounter and experience what life looked like when you had generations above you that believed in you, had this faith in you, and that faith and that love and that care didn't come from something that they made up. It came from the fact that they firsthand experienced the love of God and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God in their life. And even though I was back then, I know that we still carry that same heart today, that we will do whatever it takes for the next generation to come to know Jesus. And I have one quick photo before we get into the Word. Our last photo, it's not a very... Exciting photo, it's just a bunch of us taking a picture at our Friday night youth service, but this is what we had. We had these, you know, like, unfoldable chairs that were very uncomfortable. We had, like, the Pro City band and football games playing, so we could never hear service. You know, we had, like, a tra- like a literal trash bin right outside of the door, so every time that there would be, a- and we're up on the mountain, so we get the wind all the time, and along with the wind was a lot of stinkiness all throughout service, a lot of sweat, a lot of heat, a lot of ugh, you know, like when I look back on it, it's not like the AC and big seats that we have here. But what I encountered every single day was the, yearn, the answer to the yearning of my soul, and that was the hope of Jesus Christ. And that's the power of the gospel when it transcends from generation to generation. That's the power of the gospel when the older generation says we want to live beyond ourselves and reach and live and equip and disciple and raise up the next generation so that they can live out the calling and purpose of their life. Like if I looked at my life then and someone asked me, well, what do you think your life will look like in 18 to 20 years? What I'm experiencing today would be the absolute opposite of what I would have expected But the reason why I can actually live in this was because there was aunties and uncles, there was pastors and leaders, there was older brothers and sisters that this church 
allowed me to have in my life. And it all centered around the fact that this church loved Jesus and they wanted to see hundreds of young people. I mean, Friday night youth services were about 300 high schoolers from a whole bunch of different schools that came together and celebrated and worshiped God in unity every Friday night. And our hope as a church, and I really believe this is the hope for hopefully the church at large all around the world, is that our sons and our daughters, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren, the students we teach, the athletes we coach, the young people that we're around would also be able to experience the love of God through our lives. Amen. Can I pray for us? God, we know that, you know, we're living in a very, very busy season. And even today, it was just a dark and dreary day in many ways because of the weather, because of the rain, because of all of the things on the exterior. But Lord, I pray that you would begin to warm us up on the interior. God, I pray that there would be focus, God, to see the word about the next generation go past just our own expectations, and then it would hit our hearts, God. It would go from our mind to our hearts. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that coming out of this weekend, coming out of tonight, that there would be this zeal and this excitement and this passion, Lord Jesus, for us to see the young people in our life and see the hope in them, Lord, the same way that you saw hope in us and brought that hope into fruition. Lord, I pray that we would pass that on for generations and generations to come and that we would be men and women of faith, Lord God, that wouldn't just be about our comfort or our conveniences or our blessings, but Lord, we would see the next generation. We would know that we would know that we would know that you want to do great things through them. So that may we see ourselves, Lord God, as, as the vessels for your faith to transcend us generationally to them. And we are excited, Lord God, for what you want to do in and through their life. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell them it's time to go. Turn to your other neighbor, tell them to reach the next generation. Number one in your notes, it'll also be up on screen. It goes like this. We live beyond our generation and invest in the faith of the next generation. We're going to read a passage out of Psalm 78, verses 1 to 8. And I just want to share a little bit about, a, about the book of Psalms. Sometimes we read it and we're like, oh, like this is really cool. There's a lot of great sayings and a lot of great words. And it's very poetic and it's very calming and it's very soothing. And we get kind of tickled in our soul when we read through the book of Psalms. But the book of Psalms is so important. And the reason why this book of the Bible is important is this was how things were passed on generationally. God was faithful to the very beginning, to God's people, to the Israelites. He was faithful in every single season that they had on earth. He was faithful to them. He was faithful to their well-being. He was faithful to their protection. He was faithful to their protect, uh, blessings. Everything that God wanted to do in and through his people, he did. And it came with their faithfulness and obedience. When they were in the will of God and they were following God and not turning away from him, he proved his faithfulness time and time and time again. And again, the reason why the book of Psalm is important is because this culture didn't have iPads. They didn't have iPhones. They didn't have a lot of papyrus, you know, like things to write with. They didn't have necessarily pencils and pens and this and that. They could pass out to everyone in order for them to hear about the faithfulness of God or know about the faithfulness of God. Like we take the fact that we have Bibles and books and textbooks for granted because they didn't have it back then. So the way that the generation during that time was able to pass on the stories and the experiences and the miracles of who God was to the generations after them was through songs. And the book of Psalm is literally a book of songs, a book of poems, a book of artistry that points back to the faithfulness of God throughout generations. I'm going to read us again 
the fact that it was the church's responsibility through the teaching and the equipping, the reaching and the discipling of their next generation sons and daughters about the goodness of God. This was the church's responsibility. That means to this day, it is our responsibility to make sure the next generation in our life are able to know about God's faithfulness and know we don't have to sing it. But we can tell our stories and our experiences. Amen. Psalm 78, 1 to 8. This is the writer Asaph. He was on David's court. He was a music director. He was an artist. He was a writer. He was a poet. And he wrote this beautiful song of commitment to their generation to raise up and reach the next generation with the knowledge of God. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told to us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He has decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put up their trust in God and not forget his deeds, but would keep to his commands." They would not be like their ancestors, speaking of us, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. It was God's people. It was their responsibility to pass on the knowledge, the faithfulness, the goodness of God to the next generation so that they would know, that they would know, that they would know God's faithfulness. How many of us here, we've seen God move in our life? An answered prayer a moment where we experienced breakthrough and blessing, a time where God proved that he was truly God himself in our life, when he answered our prayer, where he brought us out of our depression, where he brought us out of our worries, where he brought us out of our hopelessness, when we saw addictions or patterns in our life that were destructive turn in an instant into faithfulness and righteousness and purity and integrity and ways that would honor and glorify God and be life-giving to other people. Like, we know that God has done that in our lives. Many of us, some of us, we're still in that journey of knowing who Jesus is, but many of us have experienced God's faithfulness. So our role now as believers today that have experienced it ourselves is now to pass it on. And it doesn't have to be a serious thing all the time. Like, yes, the gospel is very serious. Yes, God is a very serious God in many ways, but he's also a joyful God, an amazing God. Like, there's no better kind of life to live than a life with God at the center. Because he always comes through. He always makes a way. And he's proven that through his son, Jesus, for every single one of us. So I get it. Sometimes we can get into the routine of just Sunday night or just my faith with God or just my Bible reading or my listening to worship or this or that. But let me tell you, let me remind every single one of us that it's the promise and faithfulness of God where he's proven himself time and time again to us that we're supposed to give to the next generation. That we're supposed to teach them to learn from our mistakes and then teach them the will of God so that they don't have to experience living outside of the will of God. That's why, like, the psalmist is writing, like, may they not be stubborn like us and our ancestors. May the next generation live in God's blessing and his will. And we're a part of that. You know, when I came to Pearl, uh, 
I don't know if I should call it Proside Church or Grace Bible Church. Like it's always confusing when I refer back to our old name. But when I first attended Grace Bible Church, Proside, I remember thinking everyone was really weird and strange. Like I've said that before. I will keep on saying that till the very last message I ever preach in my life. Like I thought that was weird. Like you go to an elementary on the top of a hill on a Friday night when you could be watching movies at Signature Theater or going to Fun Factory at Pro Ridge. Like I just had no idea what it was about this place that always drew me in at least in the very beginning. And then like they turn off all of the lights. There's this person playing a guitar, listening to or singing worship songs. And I didn't even really understand what the songs were about at the time. Worship songs are a lot more refined in 2022 than it was in 2005, 2005. Much different. Not going to say much better, just different. Okay, it was, it was different back then. But it was always so amazing to see a whole bunch of different generations represented in church because I never saw young people at church for one thing. And I saw that on a Friday night. And again, the pastors and the leaders were awesome, but it was the aunties and the uncles that made it so worthwhile because they would always ask, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, you're an adult. I'm not supposed to tell you how I'm doing, stranger. You know, like I would have all of these like inherent things to not trust adults because of things I went through growing up. But sure enough, every week they would ask how you're doing. They'd ask if I needed prayer. They would give me pizza. They give all of us pizza. 300 people to feed pizzas, a lot of pizzas, okay? But they did it every week. And the most important thing is we were exposed and we got to experience the love of God through the people of God until it became our faith. And I just want to share a couple stories before we move on. There was this, uh, many of you folks know Pastor Camille Omo. She's an amazing woman of faith. She's been just as passionate and just kind of like a, just a fireball of energy since the very beginning. And I just remember, again, like we're supposed to teach the next generation through our experiences of following God and what he's taught us. And one of the things I learned through her was the love of prayer. Like if you've ever heard her pray, like she could just be praying for dinner at Zippy's and she would like make people weep in an instant because of how much passion she would pray for the chicken katsu and the zip men. Like it was just in her. I'm going for it. She's going to go for it. She's going to pray. And I remember learning about prayer one morning or one day before Friday night service. We go to the office, which was located right down the street. Before we were there, we were down the street above of Midas. And I remember we would stuff bulletins on a Friday night. And then she would stuff 30 of us sometimes in like this 16-passenger van. I know it's not good, but we did it. And like the boys would always just be in like the trunk, right? And then we would like fit, we'd be like this and we're going to service. And I remember we were going up the hill one day and she saw like there was a woman who was stalled out on the side of the road. And then she was like, everybody, we're going to pray for her. We're going to pray that she's going to be okay. We're going to pray that the, doc- uh, the uh, people are going to come to help and that we're going to just pray for her because she's probably having a bad day. So she's like, children, everybody, oh, she didn't say children. She's like, everybody, close your eyes and stretch forth your hands and let's pray for her. And she would proceed to pray for her. And I remember sitting in the back again in the trunk and one of like my classmates were like, she's closing her eyes. She's closing her eyes. She's closing her eyes. And then Pastor Camille was closing her eyes, I guess. That's just what I've heard. It's folklore because I was not really there. I was in the back. But she was praying and she'd always do that every single day, praying for us, praying for people, closed open, eyes open or shut. She's praying. And I learned about prayer from her. I look at someone like Pastor Coach He's our uh, congregational pastor at Pro Highlands. And like, if you know him, like he shares his faith with everybody. If you follow him on Instagram, he's with everybody all the time. Just connecting with people, loving on people over food, over coffee, doing life. 
And I learned about reaching out to people and sharing my faith through him because when we would meet at Pearl City High School for a small group, he would take me from the room, something you don't do to introverts, but he did it every single time. And he would make me walk around campus and tell people about Jesus. And every time I did that, I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to get judged, I'm going to get judged. And then he'd be like, champ, we'll go talk about this at our bowl. We'll eat some like mochiko chicken after. I'm like, okay, yeah, worth it. You know, like it was so fun. I learned about how amazing it could be to be a leader of the faith through Pastor Ki Omo, who was our youth pastor. And lastly, I learned a lot about just discipleship and what it meant to just love people with the leaders that we had as youth. His name was Ben Yamashiro. He mentored me and a bunch of us at Pearl City High School, and we grew in our faith because as a teacher, just as an individual, with no relationship to any of us outside of just church, he would pour into our life every day, praying for us, asking how we're doing, teaching us how to read our word, taking us back and forth from church to home to this, that, like you name it, he did it. He poured out his life to the next generation. And it's these relationships of people knowing the command, knowing the importance of taking what God's done in their life and giving it as a blessing to the next generation that has formed my life and faith in God. And I believe that God wants us to have many relationships like that in our life to the next generation that's in our life. Amen? It's our kids. I just really think about it. Like, you don't have to, if you're a parent, that's your number one assignment. Your next generation children are who you're called to pour out to every single day. Again, if you're a teacher, there you go. If you're a coach, there you go. If you have nieces and nephews, grandchildren, there you go. They're all around us. God has placed us in their life for a reason. Pass on the beautiful story and the beautiful song of God's redemption and faithfulness in your life to their life. Amen? Amen. Number two in your notes. Failure, though, so the opposite is also true. That as, as it's important to reach the next generation with, with the faith of God and the gospel, the opposite is also true. Failure to invest in the next generation will also have consequences. We're going to read out of Judges 2, 7 to 15, and it's kind of a longer passage, but we're actually going to unpack what happened to a generation, how they suffered because they didn't know who God was, and they didn't know about his faithfulness. There was this leader at the time named Joshua, and he came out of the season where they were living in God's blessings left and right. They were part of that generation that knew about how Moses took the people out of Egypt, out of captivity, out of enslavement, how he parted the Red Sea because God told him to, how they walked through the Red Sea into the opportunity to reach the promised land and how God engulfed those that were trying to pursue them. And Joshua and his generation were like living on a high, like they had everything. They had the freedoms, they had the blessings. But the one thing that they forgot, which again is so important, was they forgot to pass on the knowledge of God, the faithfulness of God, the miracles of God, the command of God to the generation that was after them, and they suffered. And I think if we are really honest with ourselves, we are seeing a society where young people right now are suffering through so many things at such a young age. And before we get into the passage, and I'm not trying to make any more statements than just the importance of allowing God to be part of our culture and society, not separate from it. But I just want to say that I truly, truly, truly believe that we're seeing the outcome of a generation not focused or a society not focused in letting the children know about who God is. They're going through a lot. And we also see that in Scripture. Judges 2, 7 to 15. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua, 
and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gosh. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil. This is their generation. The next generation started doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baal. So these were false gods. These were evil gods. These were, these were demonic gods that God's children, God's next generation were now serving because they didn't know that they were called to serve God himself. And it's so sad because this generation, going back to scripture, verse 12, they forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them. And it ends with five words. They were in great distress. And I know that we can look at that and be like, man, like what's up with God? Why is he being that way? Why is he being so angry? Why is he being so vengeful? Again, this is the Old Testament. So it's a different kind of view of how God worked because this was before Jesus came in the New Testament and he fulfilled all of the things that as flawed human beings couldn't fulfill. Like we see in the Old Testament all the way up into the present day Testament, which is our lives, right? But this was a time where God's people truly suffered. The next generation truly suffered. And I know many of us here, we may not be in our teens. You know, some of us, like myself, are many years past our teenage years. And we can kind of look at the world today. We can see the things that are happening in government and politics. We can see the decisions that people are making with their life. We can look at all of the controversy in the news or the elections or COVID or the pandemic or schools or this or that. And we can get so judgmental. We can be so condescending. We can look at our country, this amazing country, and just like, whatever already. Like just, it's all going to burn away anyway. Forget about the next generation. Let's just kind of worry about ours and our conveniences because everything's just getting thrown up in the fire. Like we can have that kind of hardened heart where we think we solve things by what we post on Facebook and what we post on Twitter and what we post on Instagram or who we can like persuade or fight with or combat with because of our opinions or this or that. Like God's saying none of that matters. What matters is the next generation knowing who I am because this generation that Joshua did not share the gospel with or share the goodness of God with, look what happened to them. They're serving other gods and they're experiencing being enslaved and captured. The very things that I set you free from are the very things that they're now experiencing. And I know that we can look at a book out of Judges because who reads out of Judges anyway? Like we can look at that and just kind of be like, oh, that sucks for those people in that generation. But again, going back to what we're kind of talking about, like, look at our society today. And it's very, very similar. We may not be solving the God of Baal or all of these other things, but we're serving money. We're serving our addictions. 
We're serving all of these things in the world, idols in our life that we think will give us answers. The next generation is going through things, experiencing things, and looking towards other things that they think would give them answers to all of the things that they're going through. But God, from the very beginning, says, church, it is your job. It is your command. I am commanding you to pass this on to the next generation. And I just want to ask every single one of us tonight, myself included, like, who are the next generation men or men and women, boys and girls in our life? But God is saying, what about them? What about them coming to know God? What about them learning how to pray? What about them being able to live in purity, no longer addicted, no longer searching answers in the things of this world? Like, you walk through those things. I battled with like this need of alcohol in order for me to have a good night's rest. I learned that alcohol isn't the answer. I learned that addiction couldn't give me hope. Only Jesus could. I have an answer to other youth right now who are going through those very similar things. His name is Jesus. And I can either step back and let the next generation just endure and suffer or I can learn about or experience what God wants to do in and through my life when I step into the next generation's life and tell them, son, daughter, Jesus loves you so much. And there is so much hope for you yet. And if you go to Pearlside, I mean, again, again, you know we have a lot of next generation ministries. We have kids church. We have our middle school services. We have our high school services. And again, many of you folks know we also have our college and young adults ministry services, all that good stuff. And super like kind of out of the blue I remember I was processing with Pastor Billy one day in um, his office. And, um, you know, we, we talk, you know, like life things, ministry things, all of that. Again, he's pouring into the next generation leaders, like his knowledge, his experience, and all that good stuff. And I remember, like, one day we were just talking about, like, the next generation. Again, we talk about it a lot in our church, okay? And I remember, like, again, like I'm just sipping on my black iced Americano from Starbucks and just kind of going about my day. And then I remember, like, he asked, so what, is, what, are you, what are you hoping for the next generation? We're about to go into Seek Week. We had a Seek Week a few weeks ago. And he was like, what are you hoping for the next generation? Again, I'm sipping on my black iced Americano as a 33-year-old in 2022. And I'm sipping it. And I began to speak about what I'm hoping for the next generation, like that they would come to know Jesus, that they would be able to know that they have purpose and a destiny. And I remember my lip, like when I start to cry, my lip quivers. I don't know if that's just me, but it might also be you. Like, you know, when like a big like (gasps) is coming because like your lip begins to quiver. I'm like, don't cry right now, man. Like, just enjoy your black ice Americano. And I'm proceeding to talk about the next generation. I think many of it is just because I'm a father now, so I know what it's like to literally raise up the next generation, all of the sacrifice that it, that it, that it requires as a parent. And I, I started crying and crying and crying. And like, if you know Pastor Billy, like he has, like when he surprised, his eyes get really big. <laughs> and he was kind of like, his eyes were getting big. And I'm like, nah, there's no stopping it. So I just started weeping and crying and weeping and crying. And I honestly believe that was God reminding me, like you kind of strayed from the why. Like to me, like this is me saying that God told me that I strayed from the why. Like, I was that youth that was growing up with no hope. And just the opportunity to be asked, like, what do you have hope for when it comes to the next generation just led to me not really saying much, but I think God revealing much. But there's a lot more work that God wants to do in my life for the next generation. I have many more years here on earth so that my daughter, our future kids, or the future kids 
or the kids right now in our church and in our community and in our world would know that Jesus is good. Through my life, through all of, like, we need to make that commitment together. Amen. And I know that that's just like crying and weeping and black ice Americanos, but then there was also application. So Pastor Billy was like, so what are you going to do about it? I was like, I just cried. Like, isn't that enough? Like, I, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my word. Da, 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 da. And then God was like, he just, you know, like when you start talking and you're like, don't say it. But then you just say it because like that's God talking through you. But like, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't say it, but it's, I said it. And like, I was like, well, you know, I think I should start serving in the middle school ministry. And I was like, whoa, you know, like what? Um, that's never crossed my mind. Like, on, like, hunt, like you just, if you, like, and it's not like I didn't want to. It's just like, oh, I oversee the college of adults. There's a lot of things that we do. I do small groups and discipleship with our church. I don't have a lot of time, but then God says I can give you time for the next generation. And I remember like just almost declaring this, like God declaring this through my life. Like, I just want to help you know, Sean and Melody and the rest of the middle school team in making our middle school ministry the best that it can be, not just for their generation, but when they become the high schoolers, when they become the college and young adults, when they become in their 30s and 40s and beyond and they start raising kids, I want to make sure I leave an impact in their life now, like now, while I can. And I remember thinking to myself, like, man, like, I don't even know how to connect with a middle schooler. Like, what do you talk about, you know? I know how to connect with college young adults. I know how to connect with my daughter. You just feed her. You know, like, it's all good. Like, do I just give them milk? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do, right? Um, but the crazy thing is, like, just being at that ser- those services, being, like, witnessing these middle school students, just, like, many of them, they don't even really know why yet. Like, how I didn't know why. You talk to them, like, why do you come to middle school service? I don't know. And then you see them worshiping God. You see them conversating about Jesus in their small group discussion. You see them connecting with the aunties and the uncles. And it's the flashbacks for me. I'm like, ah, I know what that is. I was you. I experienced what you're experiencing. And 18 years later, I'm still here. And I want that for you too. And I'm not trying to be facetious. and not just trying to make a statement to make a statement. But when you hear what sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders are going through. Like we, at the middle school services, we have worship. We have breakout discussion, or we have the message and we have small group discussion. So it's like five or 10 minutes of worship, 10 minutes of the message, and then like 20 minutes of discussion before we just hang out and, and you know, connect. But it, it's, it's heart, heartbreaking to hear what they go through sometimes. It really is. These are the youth of, our, of, our, of the next generation. They're in our house, and this is what they're going through. Talking about having no hope because their parents divorced or feeling like they didn't learn enough or like people call them dumb because they didn't get the opportunities during the pandemic to further their education. Like, this is what they're going through. This is what our kids are going through. This is what your nieces and your nephews, your neighbor's kid, this is what they're going through. And God reminded me, like, you were that kid before. I'm calling you to be like the aunties and the uncles today. Calling you to be the pastors and the leaders that you had growing up today. I'm allowing you to weep and cry for the next generation because you yourself are raising up a daughter today. With my wife. My wife's right there. Hi, hi, wife. So my question to all of us here, 
Again, this isn't a message about us. If you're expecting to come here and just be fancied with like a message about how we can experience the goodness of God for ourselves, like that was about a couple months ago. This series that we're in, tonight's message is about the next generation. And whether you're on board or you're still wondering what does that mean for you, I know God will show you and make a way. Because not just us as a church value the next generation, Jesus himself does. And we're supposed to mirror the life of Jesus. We're not going to be perfect but we're called to mirror the life of Jesus and live in a way that he did to the best of our abilities by the grace that he's poured out into our lives. And if Jesus values the next generation, guess what? We should value the next generation as well. Last point in your notes. We can live beyond our generation by investing in the next with our time, our treasure, and our talents. Our last passage for tonight is out of Mark 10, 13 to 16. And it's interesting because this is Jesus like doing his thing. So we're not in the Old Testament anymore. We're in the New Testament. Jesus is here. He's making it known that he is the son of God. He's performing miracles, signs and wonders. He's raising up disciples. He's loving on people that society called unlovable. Like he's doing his thing. This is the son of God and he's with them. And the disciples, his disciples, right? Jesus is about to have a moment with other people. And there's these children trying to get to Jesus. And like, imagine being like part of the 12 disciples and like, you know, like thinking like, oh, Jesus doesn't have time for young people. So let's like get the young people out of the way. Like that's pretty messed up. Yeah, like if you think about it, like Jesus is just trying to love on these kids and care for these kids with his time, his treasure, his talent, and his disciples The very people that wanted to follow God are now trying to get these kids out of the way because Jesus doesn't have time for these young ones because he has other things to do. He has people to raise from the dead, miracles and signs to perform, things to like preach on in the synagogues and mountains and all these other things Jesus does. And the disciples try to get at him. And then Jesus actually admonishes his disciples. And I believe, again, I'm just speaking out of my experiences personally. He had to admonish me that the next generation matters. Mark 10, 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. I just had to say that with some gusto, keep you guys up. He was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God is like a little child, or like a little child, excuse me, will never enter into it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus blessed the next generation. He welcomed them into his arms. The next generation in their life, they're looking for other things that would wrap them in their arms. All of those things in the world won't bring them the only thing that their soul craves, and that's a relationship with Jesus. Are we going to be like the disciples to try to remove them from a relationship with Jesus? Or will we follow the command of God in the Old Testament and the way of Jesus in the New welcoming the next generation into our lives so that they would know about God's faithfulness then so that they can live in it now for their generation and the generations to come. That is what brings us significance in life. We live in a world where it's success. My life, my generation, my blessings, my conveniences, but everything about God 
Everything about Jesus is about significance through serving and loving God and serving and loving others. And we're going to watch a quick video on screen. It's of Tim Tebow, former All-American at Florida, former NFL player. And throughout his life, he's used the platform of football as an opportunity for the gospel to be shared, for disciples to be made. He's been very true to his faith from the very, very beginning. There's a whole story about how his childhood was a miracle in itself, but that's going to be for another day. But he is dedicating this new season of life into inspiring people to not live for their successes, but really live in the significance of the gospel. I pray that it would encourage many of us. And he actually does a lot of things, a lot of nonprofits for the next generation. But again, he's going to be talking about the importance of significance. Take a look up on screen as we bring things to a close tonight. Give God a hand for that. That powerful. We're going to go into this time of worship. And the simple response for all of us tonight is who? There are young people all around us that, pa- that we pass by and we take it for granted that they're young. That they'll figure it out. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes they don't. Significance is living beyond ourselves. For our generation, the people we're called to reach, but also for the next. With our time and our treasure, our talent. But most importantly, with the love of God. With all heads bowed and eyes closed.